Hello everybody and welcome to church. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. My name is JB Powell and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors on staff here at Red Rocks. And so I want to say hello to all of our church family. Uh, if you've been around for a while, I want to say welcome to you. We are glad to have you today. And then I want to take a moment and really give a special shout out to anybody that this is your first time tuning in with us here at Red Rocks Church. Welcome to you. We are so glad, we're so honored that you decided to tune in with us today. Uh, a little bit about who we are. We are one church that meet in multiple locations. In fact, really in this time, we are one church meeting in thousands upon thousands of locations, which is just incredible. And so I, I hope I'm not the first, but if I am, I want to say welcome to you. We are so glad you're here. Now, if you'd like to get a little more information about our church, kind of who we are, what we're about, why we exist, probably the two best ways to find out that information is you can go to the app store, you can download the Red Rocks Church app, or you can also go to our website. And that's really the fastest and best ways to get information and kind of keep up to date on what we're doing. Now, as we head into this service, um, just a couple things I want to make you guys aware of. First, uh, we have an incredible kids ministry here at Red Rocks Church. We call it Kids Rock. And in my opinion, it is second to none. It is the best of the best. And they have been working round the clock to make sure that your kids, my kids, our kids, have some incredible resource during this time. So as I'm saying this, there'll be a link right below me and you can click on that and it is a full uh, really service geared for your kids. So please check that out. And then at any point, if you need prayer during this service, um, we have people on standby. We have hundreds upon hundreds of people that want to just pray with you, uh, spend a moment and cover you. And that's not going to just happen today. That happens all throughout the week. So at any point throughout the week, if you need prayer, go to the Red Rocks Church website, click on prayer, and you can just fill some stuff out. And we're going to make sure that we are praying with you this upcoming week. And then uh, one thing I want to make you aware of is that right after sort of this service, um, we have a very special announcement that you guys are a part of. And so I don't want you guys to miss out on that. So stay tuned. We have something incredible that we're going to share with you guys as we get going in this service. Well, Red Rocks, I hope you came prepared today. I hope you came expectant for what God is going to do in this place. I have been praying. I've been believing. Um, I am full of faith right now for what God is going to do. And I know for some of you, uh, you're tuning in right now. Let's, let's have an honest moment. You've tuned in and you're feeling a little overwhelmed. You're feeling fearful. Um, you're feeling and questioning going, God, where are you? God, do you have this? God, when are you going to show up? And I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you with something that my wife and I have been praying over our house. In fact, the moment sort of all this started happening, um, God just sort of gave me a word. He gave me a verse and it's Psalm 46. And it says this. It says that God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, now listen to this, Red Rocks. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth gives way. It's in these moments and in these times that we can trust God's word over our feelings. And we know, we know that we don't need to fear because God is our refuge and God is our strength. And so I want to encourage you today with that. I want you to just begin to cover yourself in that and believe that as you're watching this service today, that God is going to begin to move in a real and tangible way in your life. In fact, in James, it says this. It says that if, if we draw near to him, that he is faithful and draws near to us. And so I'm believing by you tuning in to this today, that you're taking that step of faith and you're drawing near to the Father. And I'm believing that today that God is going to show up 
He's going to begin to move and he's drawing near to you. And so with that, I'm praying for you. I love you and welcome to Red Rocks Church. from your living room having church ain't nothing gonna stop the church Jesus we just dedicate this time to you this weekend God in a time when our world feels so chaotic when we feel miles away from any sort of certainty or things that feel sure and known God, I just thank you for songs like this that remind us of your words straight from scripture, the declaration of the heart of God over his children. God, I pray that this weekend you would remind some people that you're with us, you are for us. God, that your favor is upon us. God, we, we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, but God, your favor is a gift that you've given to every single person that has put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ. And so God, this weekend, we just declare your favor, your blessing, your anointing upon people, no matter where they're watching this from, no matter how, how, how contrite and broken their heart might feel right now, no matter how discouraged nor how depressed, no matter how sick, no matter how distant and isolated they feel that this weekend, God, that you would restore to them the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. God, I believe that we're standing in the greatest hours of the local church around the globe, that there has never been a time for the hope of Jesus Christ to shine forth. There has never been a time for the truth of Jesus Christ to shine forth. God, I believe that in the middle of chaos, we're standing in our greatest moments as the church of Jesus Christ. God, and that's because we serve a God that takes what the enemy meant for evil, and man, he's trying to make evil prevail. But God, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you can turn it for good. And so we declare great things in our future, great things that are ahead, not because of us, but because of who you are. We pray all of these things in the precious, undefeated, sure foundation that is the name of Jesus. And everyone at Red Rocks Church and homes around the world said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, I hope that you are excited to be joining us this weekend, wherever you're watching from. I wanna say from the very beginning, one of the great blessings um, that has come forth from this crazy coronavirus that's, that's really going around the world, creating so much chaos, so much confusion, so much frustration, is that it's allowed the local church to be reminded that we're not a building. We're not an organization that meets within the four walls of a structure somewhere in your local city, but we as a group of people, followers of Jesus Christ, are the local church. And so as you're sitting maybe in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom somewhere, um, I want to remind you this weekend that you are a part of something that isn't retreating but is only growing and is only increasing in its influence and impact. The local church is growing. And this weekend, I don't just want to welcome our locations in Denver and in Brussels, Belgium, at God Behind Bars, and also in Austin, Texas, but I want to greet literally our thousands of locations around the globe that are meeting in local homes and communities. Can we put our hands together in our living rooms for everybody that's joining with us this weekend? We are the local church. We love you guys so, so so, so, so much. 
And if you're new, if you're checking us out this weekend, I just wanna say, man, you are so loved and valued and accepted already by this church. We've already been praying for you and we're expecting that God's gonna do great things. If you have your Bible, I wanna encourage you to open up to Philippians 4, verse six, and that's where we're gonna spend some time this weekend. And I wanna talk this weekend about something that I believe is one of the most pervasive, one of the most nasty, destructive elements for the human soul. And for people that wanna be followers of Jesus Christ and wanna live lives of influence and impact, this might be the number one thwarter of the plans of God for your life. And I wanna read this because at first glance, it's kind of provocative. And at first glance, it almost seems like it can't be true or it's optimistic. But in verse six of Philippians chapter four, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Look at someone that you're watching this message with and tell them anything. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And watch what happens. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to propose to us this weekend that one of the most destructive things for the human soul and the one of the most destructive things for the call of God on your life is anxiety. And some of you might be thinking, come on, Ronnie, you're, you, I think you're being a little bit exaggerative. I think you're blowing this out of proportion. Anxiety is destructive, but really the most, the leading, the most pervasive. And I want to talk this weekend from the standpoint of an eternal perspective. When we look at scripture, when we look at the Bible, the word of God from front to back, one of the most common themes throughout scripture is that the chief end of man, the main purpose of man's life and existence and time and work and effort is that we would first and foremost know God, that we would know God. Now, when you look at this at first glance, you're kind of like, that seems very simple, maybe overly simplistic that all that we got to do is know God. Like all that God's great design and plan for our life is just to know him. That's right. That's what scripture would say because from the point where we begin to know God from there flows our ability to serve God and to enjoy God and to worship God and to work with God and to be known by God. But the starting point for humankind is that we would know God. Now, one of the reasons why I think that anxiety is so pervasive in derailing the plans of God for your life is that for most of us, unless you're just completely abnormal, most of us don't wake up in the morning going, all right, I got another day to just know my father in heaven. I got another day that I can just enjoy him, know him more deeply. For, for most of us, we have these things in our lives that scripture is going to call troubles. If you have children, you have many, many troubles. During this time of uncertainty, you have so many questions in your life as it pertains to your future and your 401k and your job. Are you gonna have employment? Maybe you've already lost employment. Maybe you're wondering how much longer your, your, your job is going to last. We have these things called troubles. Anybody got troubles? Give me one of these. See, during times of uncertainty like this, our lives seem to be full of troubles to the standpoint 
where it seems like the chief end of man, yes, on, on paper, yes, I know that it is to know God. Yes, I, I, I know that it's to know who he is and what he thinks about me and, and what he wants for me. Yes, I know that, but what it feels like sometimes in a life full of troubles is that somewhere along the line, the pursuit to know God gets covered and, and masked. Has that ever happened to you? Deep down internally, you, you want to know God. You, you, you want to know who he is and what he thinks. You want to be close to him. But, but it seems like some of the troubles in our lives mask over the chief end and the chief goal and the grand scheme of eternity is to know God. Yet it seems like my troubles keep drowning this out. If you're listening to this and you got some troubles, can you do me a favor? Can you just nod your head? You all should be nodding your heads at this point. Now, Philippians is going to tell us to not be anxious about anything. Yet at the same time, every single one of us is going to nod our heads about the truth of our reality that we have troubles in our lives right now. And those troubles for us are producing this thing called anxiety. It leads me to an assumption that Maybe for us, my problem in life isn't my troubles. But I think that the problem in our lives as it relates to anxiety is that we allow our troubles to produce anxiety in our souls. Many of us think that in order for me to live an anxious, free, and a peaceful life, I got to resolve every one of my troubles. Yet the Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, it says, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, take your heart back in the midst of troubles. Take back your soul in the midst of troubles. Why? Because God has overcome the world. So our troubles don't always have to lead to Anxiety, the writer of Philippians would tell us, because he tells us, make sure that you're anxious, you're not anxious about anything. Now, for most of us, this feels like a large contradiction and something that we can't necessarily wrap our minds around. But when he's referring to this idea of being anxious, don't be anxious about anything. He's, he's referring to the idea of being distracted or, or pulled into different directions, having your mind be stretched into so many different directions. Some of you right now thinking about all of the ways that your mind is stretched in different directions, it's creating a little tightness in your chest as we speak. But he says, listen, don't be anxious. Don't be pulled in a bunch of different directions about anything, about anything, because as you're pulled into different directions by all the demands from the troubles and the pressures and the stresses of your life, what the Bible's going to say is what's produced from your troubles, if you're not careful and you don't guard your hearts and your minds, what gets produced is something called anxiety. I love this quote by Ronald Rollheiser from his book, The Holy Longing. He says, it's not that we have anything against God or depth and spirit. We'd like these. It's just that we have habitually 
too preoccupied, we've been habitually too preoccupied to have, um, uh, let me start this over. It's just that we, have, we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad. Let that take some pressure off of you. Your problem might not be that you're bad, it might just be that you're too busy. We're more distracted than non-spiritual. He said pathological busyness and distraction and restlessness are major blocks today in our spiritual lives. So he's saying, listen, for some of you, you're looking at this chief end of man being that I must know God. I want to do that. He says, it's not that you don't pursue that because you're a bad person. You're pers- you don't pursue that because you're overly busy. You have bothered your mind and your soul and your time with so much stuff that you've distracted yourself, distracted your heart from seeking God in the way that he would so please. I read in one location that sometimes our souls are like an octopus on roller skates. That, that we're busy moving about, we're busy with so much movement and, and motion and activity that we, we like to deceive our minds that we're doing something, accomplishing something, but yet we are going nowhere. I wonder, have you been so distracted by your troubles, especially in this time, have you been so distracted by your troubles that you have drowned out? what the scriptures say will be the chief end of our lives. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31, he's reminding his disciples. So he says, guys, listen, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? He's saying all these needs, these necessities of life, don't worry about them. They, they matter, but don't worry. Don't let your heart get to a state of worry. Verse 32 says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Can I tell you this weekend that God knows every single need that you have? He knows the needs that you're not even made privy to in this moment. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Now look what he says in verse 33. Verse 33, he says this, so seek the kingdom of God above all else, above anything, and live righteously. That is to do what is right. And he will give you everything that you need. Verse 34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow is going to bring its own worries. Today's troubles are enough for today. I love what he says because Jesus, he contradicts this idea and contrasts this idea, excuse me, of, of our worries and our troubles and our anxieties with the idea of seeking first his kingdom. Now, this is pretty interesting because you go like, why would he contrast these two ideas? Why would he contrast worry with seeking his kingdom? Why would he contrast anxiety with seeking his kingdom? One of the things that is so, so amazing about this passage is Jesus is drawing for us a connection about our faith life. Right now, you are sitting between two tensions. You have problems in your life, and then you have the, the, the call of God on your life, which is to pursue the kingdom of God. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with what the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God is scripture, is a reality and an understanding and a posture of the human soul that believes that God is king over all. 
He reigns above it all. He is over everything. He is above. He is greater than. He is more powerful than everything. That is the understanding of the kingdom of God. And he says, listen, when you're, when you're torn between anxiety and the understanding of the kingdom of God, these things are juxtaposed. These things are opposites. These things contradict each other. And here's why. All throughout scripture, we get painted for us this picture of who God is. And one of the problems that happens is I get all these demands in my life, the hurry, the stress, the pressure. Right now, you know some of the things that are creating some of these emotions and feelings right now in your own heart. And then over here, we have this understanding that, yes, I know God is all powerful. I know he's my provider. I know he's my sustainer. I know he's my savior. I know he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know that he's my healer, my portion, my deliverer, my help in time of need, my strong tower, the safety that I run to. I know that he's all of these things. And you're held between this balance. And what the Bible's going to say is every time you live in a state of anxiety, you choose to focus greater attention upon your worries than upon the nature of who God is. I love this quote by Marie Oliver. She says, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. Let me explain this. You cannot know something deeply. You cannot know God intimately and lovingly. You cannot know God thoroughly and not give him your attention. Can I get some wives to say amen this weekend? Husbands, you cannot love your wife and not give her attention. Parents, you cannot properly love your kids and not give them your attention. That's why sometimes the little device that's in our pockets can be so destructive to your relationships, not only with your family, but with the Lord Almighty. He, he's juxtaposing these things because he says every time you take a look at your struggles and you get fixated upon your struggles, you no longer are able to fixate on what matters and what is lasting and what is good and what is real and true. You've allowed your focus to wander towards your anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 going to continue reading this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Okay, that sounds great, but how do we practically apply this to our lives? He says, but in everything, by what? Prayer. By prayer and supplication, which is just detailed requests, telling him what you really need. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to who? To God. And the Bible gives this amazing promise. He says, and in the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, it won't even make sense. If you look at your situation on surface value, you shouldn't have peace, but the peace you have surpasses all of your understanding. And then I love this. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he says that the remedy for a worried and a trouble and an anxious heart is prayer. Now, I know some of you listening going, okay, thanks. So you're telling me that the secret to my fears and my anxieties is just pray more. It's what I'm saying, but I want to I help unfold what he's really trying to communicate. So before you start smashing on his theory, 
I want to ask you real quickly, can you put into question for a moment what your theory is for dealing with anxiety? What do you run to when your life gets hurried? What do you run to when your life gets confusing? What do you run to when your heart gets anxious? Because we can knock on his plea for prayer as a solution, but for most of us, our translation would say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, just eat your emotions. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, just drink until you don't think about your worries anymore. Be anxious for nothing, but just drown out your time scrolling through Instagram. Be anxious for nothing, but just lose yourself in another series on Netflix. Be anxious for nothing, but just, just work harder. See, if you think for a moment about the actual solutions that you put into play when your life gets full of anxiety, what you run to, most of us just mask and internalize and we cover up our anxieties rather than properly dealing with them. That's why for some of us, Life can get to such a tipping point. This happened for me just last week. My wife comes home and she just got done shopping and she has the kids and she's getting ready to cook dinner. And she asked me this simple question. She said, Ronnie, what do you want to eat for dinner? And it was like one more question, one more demand, one more decision that I had to make felt so crumbling because my life was so complicated. It was full of so much troubles and so much problems and so much distraction that I was just like, babe, you pick what we eat for dinner. I'm not taking questions right now. Some of you have been there. Your life gets so complicated. It gets so fixated on your problems that small things get blown out of proportion in your soul. And it's because we've been masking and internalizing and covering up all of these stressors and anxieties rather than dealing with them the way that God would have us do that. We don't actually heal anything or fix anything. As I was thinking about it this week, I was reminded of my, my precious little three-year-old daughter, Ara. And Ara is right now fixated on, on, on healing and medicine and medical stuff. And so if she falls, you better believe we're getting band-aids out. There doesn't have to be any blood. There doesn't have to be a scrape. Like if she just falls and it scares her, she wants a band-aid. The other day she fell down and she did have a little bruise on her kneecap, but she, she said, Daddy, I want a Band-Aid. And I'm, I'm trying to talk to her like a grown adult. And I'm like, babe, you don't need a Band-Aid for a bruise. It's not going to heal anything. But her Band-Aids are frozen Band-Aids. So she wants a Band-Aid on her bruise. And I was reminded this week, I'm like, man, how many of us, when it comes to our, our troubles, our anxieties, our dysfunction in our lives, we want to put Band-Aids on a bruise. We don't actually want to do something that's going to heal what is going on internally. We don't actually want to be set free or deliver us from our burdens. We're, we're putting Band-Aids on bruises. We're not actually healing anything. And Paul says, you want a, a real remedy? A lasting remedy, it's prayer. It's prayer. Now, to help us understand kind of what he's talking about when he's referring to prayer, I want to unpack something for us. We have a little graphic here that I want to kind of use 
to explain what happens when our souls and our minds and our hearts are anxious. What takes place is you have a dilemma in your life, a a legitimate concern. You have financial struggle. You're having relational dysfunction. Your kids aren't listening, and now you're quarantined with them. What happens is the struggles internalize in our minds. We fester on them, we chew on them, and we think about how, how it's going to affect tomorrow and how it's going to affect the next day and, and cr- this whole coronavirus thing. Will I have a job next week? And what if I lose my job next week? Will I, will, I, will I have to lose my house? And will I have to, what if I can't care for my family? You guys know the feeling. You let your worries run rampant in your mind, and that produces an anxious heart. Here's what the Apostle Paul is referring to when he says, here's the way you should use prayer. When I say, don't be anxious about anything, here's what he means about prayer. He's saying, I want you to take all of the dysfunction, all of the issues, all of the trauma, all of the frustration that you're feeling right now in your life. And I just want you to release it to me. The challenges right now that you're facing in your marriage Can you just release it to me? The unknowns about your future, can you just release it to me? And what he's saying is don't internalize something that you don't even have control over, period. Can you trust it to me? Now, this is a different explanation and definition than most of us use when we're thinking about the idea of prayer. But here's this. God isn't asking for us to bring stuff to his attention that he doesn't know. If you remember, in Matthew 6, he says, your heavenly father already knows the needs that you have. The reason I pray is not for God. The reason I pray isn't to inform God of something that he didn't know. The reason I pray is to free myself from burden. Jesus says, Friends, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He also promised you will have trouble. But his promise is you don't have to carry them. I wonder how much more some of us would pray if the presence of anxiety would provoke our hearts to release our struggles to the Lord, to release what is unknown to the Lord. Here's why Jesus made such a big deal about this. Here's why I made such an audacious claim up top saying that I believe that it's one of the most pervasive and evil thing anxiety is as it relates to the call of God on your life. Oftentimes what happens when we face a difficulty and when we face a struggle If we truly believe that God is our provider, like his word says, if we prioritize who he is in our life and faith makes him great in our minds, when I run into a dilemma and one of my problems is my retirement fund has been decreasing with this whole quarantine and corona thing, part of my provision can diminish. My 401k can diminish. But the problem is, for many of us, we confuse provision with my provider. When my 401k goes down or when I lose my income, we start going, whoa, I I don't have my provider anymore. I just lost my job. And Jesus is going, no, 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 you've confused it. 
Jesus is your provider and he is giving you provision through your job. Here's why this matters. For some of us right now that are in uncertain times in our financial history, when it seems like your 401k is never going to rebound in time for you to retire on time, God says, I want you to trust that I am your provider and I will make the provision happen. I want you to trust that even though your income has dried up, I will continue to provide even though it looks like your provision has dried up. He's saying, don't forget the kingdom of God, the reality that God reigns above it all in the midst of your struggles. This is why it's so important. One of the things that I love about Philippians 4, 6 Let's read it together. Starting in verse six again, it says, don't be anxious about anything. We're familiar. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, pay attention to this passive verb. He says, with thanksgiving, let. Say it out loud with me. Let. Let your requests be made known to God. Now, this is why this is so amazing. When the writer is writing this, he doesn't tell you in a forcible way to force your requests upon God. Make your demands, pound on the door. He just says, let them be made known to God. Almost like it is you and it is me that are controlling our requests when our requests want to be made known to the one that can actually remedy them. Friends, that three-letter word right there is powerful. I think it's divinely placed because it refers to a God who demands, who desires, and who requests earnestly that you take your cares and give them to him. He said, just let your requests be made known. Release them. I love this. In 1 Peter 5, 7, this is a demand from the heart of God. He says, cast all of your anxieties. How much of your anxiety? All of it on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. When when he's referring to casting your anxieties upon God, he's not talking about a flippant toss. He's not talking about whimsically taking one of your concerns and and setting it aside, scooting it aside like your grandma's fine china. He's referring to this forcible, forceful removal of your anxieties from your life to the heart of God. And then he reiterates this. I love this in the Psalms. If you want an Old Testament depiction, the psalmist writes, cast your burdens on the Lord. And notice what he says, and he will sustain you. To give you a mental picture of what he's referring to, he's like, I want you to take it like you're a school kid coming home after a long day of school on a Friday and throwing his backpack across the room. Like, you don't want to see that thing. The mom's like, don't you, want, don't you need your backpack? No, I don't want to see it. It's Friday. That's the heart of God for some of your anxieties. He's saying, I want you to just throw it as if you never want to see them or encounter them ever again. Would you remove them? And notice what he says in the passage that we just read in 1 Peter. He says, because he cares for you. And then in the Psalms, he says, if you cast your burdens on the Lord, he will sustain you. 
So in these two passages, we can assume that God has the strength to sustain you. And then 1 Peter lets us know, and he has the love enough to want to do it. I wonder for some of you in your situations, what would change in your heart if you could remove your attention from your anxieties and your doubts and your worries in this time and you could return back to a biblical understanding that reigning above everything, like reigning above your real dilemmas right now, is a God who not only can carry your burdens and can solve your issues, can do what you cannot, but he loves you and he wants to. One of the things that I'm getting so excited about is I'm watching what God is doing to people's hearts and their souls during this time. It's like chaos. I know some of you are hurting real. Your loss is real. Your anxiety is real. Just this week, I've had people messaging me going, would you pray for me? My anxiety is getting out of control. I can't, I can't seem to quiet. I'm having panic attacks all the time. And it's because your dilemmas and your problems and your troubles are real. The issue is that you haven't realized and put the truth into practice that behind all of your problems and your struggles is a God that says, cast them upon me because I care for you. And when we begin to do that in this time, I think when the world is so chaotic and the world is full of so many unknowns, this is the perfect time when your heart is unstable and unsteady and uneasy and unsure. This is the perfect time to begin to cast your cares upon God. And if you watch, what remains is that through the middle of all of your struggles and your challenges and your dilemmas, throughout all of this, you'll realize that the things that you are so anxious about are gonna be the very thing that teaches you the most about God. Remember, the chief end of your life is that you would know God. Friends, I promise you some of the areas that you're so anxious about right now, it's real. Some of the things that you're so worried about right now, it's real. It just doesn't have to lord over your life. I think this process of our hearts being so unstable and unsteady is going to push us back to a place where we are going to search for peace in the place where it can only be found. And I want to encourage some of you this weekend. For, for so many of us, we've been looking at our anxieties as something we need to battle and something we need to manage. Now, from the standpoint of scriptures, that's not the way that Jesus says you should handle your anxiety. It is not for you to manage. It is not for you to handle. It is not for you to maintain. Your anxieties are for you to release. Now, I think one of the great difficulties in our lives is learning to release these things to God because it feels illogical. How on earth could God provide for me when my job is gone? Well, my bank account is empty. Well, my family is sick. 
How on earth could God be my provider when, when my marriage is on the rocks or we're separated or I can't see my kids right now or, or the doctor's prognosis and diagnosis came back negative? How can I trust God right now? Here's what he's asking you to do. Don't try to fight your anxieties. Don't try to manage and maintain your anxieties. They're not for you to fight. They're for you to release. And when we can know this, friends, the Bible says that God takes what the enemy meant for evil. Anxiety is something that he intends for evil in your life. God says, I can turn it for good. So for some of you right now that are struggling with anxiety and you're discouraged, I should be better than this. I shouldn't let this bother me the way that it does. I want to encourage you this week. What if you used anxiety as a weapon? What if you reminded your soul that every time your heart is anxious, remind your soul that you have given the keys away to your peace, to your troubles. Remind your heart that every time your heart is anxious, let your requests be made known to God. Don't try to fight your anxieties, manage your anxieties, release them to God. And the Bible goes on in Philippians 4, the apostle Paul starts saying, and listen, when you do this, when you release your anxieties to him, when you go to God in prayer and supplication, when you make your requests made known to him, you can now free up your mind to think about things that are true. You can think about things that are noble and excellent and, and worthy of your thoughts. You can think about these things. And when you get to do that, look what it says in Philippians 4 verse 9. It says, once you can do that and you meditate upon those things, then the God of peace will be with you. I love this because he doesn't say, then you'll get a sense of peace. You get a feeling of peace. You'll get a little bit of respite from your anxiety until tomorrow's worries. He says, no, 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 no. When you do this, you're going to re realize that the God of peace is with you. Friends, the truth of the matter is right now, God is with you. You've just allowed your life to be so drowned out by your problems and by your troubles and by real dilemmas that for many of us, we've just forgotten about the presence of God in our everyday times. Did you know that he's with you right now as you're unsure about your future? He's with you right now when the health doesn't look too good and the, the screenings don't look too good and, and the finances don't look too promising and your relationship doesn't look like it can, it can last any longer. Can I remind you, he's with you right now. Don't allow your anxieties to steal your attention. I want to close with one final thing. I know that there's many of us that as we're talking about the chief end of our existence is to know God. Some of you are going, I just, I just need to start a relationship with him. I don't even, I've never made God the Lord of my life. When you're talking about God reigning above everything and ruling above my life and he's in ultimate control, I've never really thought that way. Well, the Bible says that if you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, he's got a few requests and demands. He says, would you just believe with your heart that I died for you? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? So that we could be re re uh, forgiven 
from our sins so that we could be restored back in relationship to God. So even on your worst day, friend, Christ died for you. He says, I just want you to believe that I died upon the cross for your sins. And can you just believe that I'm Lord, that I reign above it all? Can you let your mind be changed? Can you let me change you from the inside out? Can you let me take away your guilt and your shame and your pain? And can you let me take away your anxieties and your worries and your doubts and your fears? The Bible says, then we get heaven forever and the forgiveness of our sins in the here and now. But one of the amazing truths is, is that in the here and now, the God of peace will be with you through it all. Right now, if you have never made a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never let him reign above your dilemmas and your issues and your sin and your brokenness and your life and what you do and how you live, I wanna pray for you right now. So at every location, in every living room, in every bedroom and coffee shop, wherever you're watching from right now, would you just bow your head? God, right now in this moment, I just pray for some of the people that have never made a commitment to make you the Lord of their life. They've never said, God, I wanna change what I believe. I wanna believe that you died for me so that I don't have to live under the weight of my sin and my shame. And God, I wanna, I wanna believe that you reign above all of my circumstances and situations so you could remedy my peace especially now. In your own words, in your mind, in the quietness of your, your, a whisper of your breath, would you just begin to ask the Lord, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I wanna do life your way. I'm tired of doing life my way change me. I want to do life with you, not apart from you. And for those of you that have made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life, and maybe you've just had a difficulty weaving in peace into your life, I want to encourage you this week, what if you reminded your soul that your anxiety is not your enemy, your anxiety is a weapon. It's kind of like the canary in the coal mine. It lets you know when something is wrong. And this week, when you feel your heart tense, your chest tighten, your breath gets short, can you remind your worries? about who your God is. Can you just release whatever you're worried about to the Lord and watch as he provides, watch as he works, watch as he changes and as he heals and as he restores. Your anxiety isn't a weapon. Your anxiety isn't your enemy. Your anxiety is a weapon. Let's remind our souls of that this week. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, listening in, in rooms across the world. God, would you restore and heal some people this weekend as we remind our hearts of who our God is, who reigns above it all, who lords above all of creation and all of our struggles. God, this weekend, we wanna walk in peace. Just because we have troubles doesn't mean that we have to lose our peace. We can have peace in the midst of troubles when we remind our soul who reigns above it all. We pray all of these things in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now I wanna do something different this weekend. 
we aren't able to meet in our physical locations. And so you're watching this from wherever you're watching this from. But if you made the decision this weekend to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I wanna encourage you to do something. Would you get out your cell phone and I want you to send a text message to a number and it's gonna send you some resources on how we can guide and aid you in this time, help you walk this thing out with Jesus. Text the word Red Rocks, one word, to 25827. Text Red Rocks to 25827. And we're going to be able to give you some resources that can help you on your journey to know what this whole following Jesus thing is all about. And for a minute, I want to talk to just our church family. We're not able to give and give our, our tithes and our offerings. We're not able to express generosity in our physical location. So if you want to give of your tithes and your offerings during this time, or maybe you want to begin to give your tithes and your offering this time, I want to ask you to text the same word, Red Rocks, to 25827. And it's going to give you the opportunity to give and live out the generous spirit that God has given to us during this time. And last but certainly not least, one of the things that we wanna be able to do for you in this time is pray for you. If there's any needs in your life that we can pray for, I wanna encourage you, text the same word, Red Rocks, to 25827. And whenever you, when you do that, whatever your need is, you're gonna get a link sent to you and it's gonna walk you through everything that you need to know to either get a devotion, let us celebrate and walk with you as you say yes to Jesus, to give online or to get prayer from our church and our prayer team. We love you guys so, so much. We're truly excited that the best days of our church are still in front of us. Enjoy this week being the church. And right now, let's continue on in a time of giving and giving of our tithes and our offerings at all of our locations and living rooms around the world. Let's worship. Red Rocks, I wanna share some really exciting news that you're a part of. First, over the last two weeks, we have seen over 800 people make a first-time decision for Jesus Christ. Come on, church, how cool is that? In fact, if that's you, if you've made a first-time decision for Jesus today or over the last couple weeks, remember, we want you to text Red Rocks to 25827 so we can get you some resources. And then if you're somebody, you go, man, I just need some prayer right now in my life. We have hundreds of people who are waiting on standby, ready to pray for you today and throughout the rest of the week. So please text Red Rocks at 25827. And then some really cool stuff that's happening because of your generosity. You see, when you give to Red Rocks, you're giving through the local church here. And we're watching God take what you're giving and multiply it to impact so many people. In fact, just a few things that you guys are a part of. Um, Kitchen One for One, they're providing 3,000 meals every single week for those in need. Uh, we're donating right now to Children's Hospital because we know there's an influx of young people showing up at these hospitals. And so we wanna make sure the medical staff and teams there have the resources they need to take care of our precious, our precious kids. And then last but not least, uh, we know that our doctors and nurses, man, they're on the front lines. In fact, if you are a doctor or nurse, nurse tuning in today, we are praying for you and covering you right now. We love and care for you. But we know that so many of them are being exposed to the coronavirus. And when that happens, they can't go home. In fact, they have to be quarantined for a couple of weeks. And so we've partnered with UC Health and we are buying blocks of hotel rooms right now so that way the doctors and nurses have a place to stay for those two weeks while they quarantine themselves. Church, 
You are an incredible church and what you are doing is making such an impact. And so I just want to say thank you for your generosity because when you're giving, you're giving through Red Rocks Church. And so I want to say thank you again. If you're somebody who wants to partner with us, you can text Red Rocks to 25827 and we're going to watch and see what God is doing. Church, we love you. We're praying for you. We cannot wait to see you this upcoming week at our Easter services. We love you, Red Rocks Church.